Hi, friend. Welcome to Holly's Highlights, a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and equip you to intentionally live your life full of purpose. I'm your host, Holly Kirby, motivational speaker, leadership cultivator, marketing strategist, and personal cheerleader. Let's check out today's highlight. This episode brought to you by The Game Machine. The Game Machine brings the ultimate video game experience right to your doorstep with the best of multiplayer gaming on both retro and advanced gaming systems. Whether for a birthday, family reunion, corporate team building, or school event, The Game Machine is a fully self-contained, climate-controlled gaming trailer with the most comfortable player experience here in Utah. The Game Machine provides an event that everyone young or old can enjoy. Check out The Game Machine online at the-game-machine.com or call at 801-432-0102. So I was sitting in a meeting the other day where some tensions were increasing and there were definitely an array of emotions in the room. Now, although I was very aware of the vibe in the room, it was my body language I seemed to be stumbling over more than anything. I I caught myself comfortably sitting with my arms crossed and suddenly was concerned that the crossed arms would come across as closed off or not open to what others were saying. So I I was so in my own mind over this. So then I straightened up a little bit and leaned forward to show that, you know, intentional show of interest type thing. But then my back was like Bazzing. So I tried leaning back to gain a, a bit of relief, to which then my hips started hurting from a previous hip surgery. <laughs> and it, so I'm sitting there shifting my weight all over one side to the to the other to try to bring about relief. And let's just say I felt I was failing on every account. Now, this might be a good time for myself to listen to a previous podcast episode regarding feeling inferior when I shared that people are not thinking most of what we think that they are thinking about us. But nonetheless, it made for a very awkward meeting all around, or at least I felt it was. So to help us out on situations such as these, we have Dr. Donna Van Natten joining us today to discuss all things body language. Dr. Donna research is in the science driving nonverbal communication that facial expressions and gestures and behavioral intentions they've changed the way that companies develop their people. So coupled with her dynamic personality and animated delivery, the body language doctor is a national spokesperson and expert in interpreting numerous components of our communication. Dr. Donna synthesizes her education and knowledge and expertise into high-octane, interactive, educational, and fun body language and communication programs. Her nonverbal communication sessions provide new insights and tools about human behaviors and cross a myriad of audiences, including corporate teams and community-based organizations and company-wide events. You name it, she can do it. She holds multiple degrees, culminating with a doctorate in educational leadership. Dr. Donna was awarded a Japan Fulbright Scholarship, is published in the Journal of Leadership Education. She wrote Image Scrimmage about the power of body language and leadership, uh, the body language of politics about deciding who is lying and who is sincere and how you'll vote, and body language for women, which is all about conveying confidence, understanding our significant others, and increasing our influence. She's been featured multiple times in Inc.com magazine for her expertise in those nonverbal communication and leadership. And she's also the founder, president, and CEO of Accountability Measures and a savvy business owner who understands the spoken and unspoken word driving 
all communication. Dr. Donna serves as the chair of the Chattanooga Chamber of Commerce's Small Business Awards, the YMCA Board of Directors, and is on the Better Business Bureau Board of Directors. So welcome, Dr. Donna. We are so pleased to have you today. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here with you. Now, we're eager to learn some tools and resources to help us with those unconscious statements we're making with our body. So to start, what tends to be some of the most common nonverbal cues of women and men in general? Great question. In our society, we're an eye contact culture. So, you know, immediately when we enter a room, we scan the room, you know, we make eye contact with people or we can even avert our eyes and then, you know, decide what to do from that point, you know, for how long we want to gaze at somebody or just even take in the whole situation of the room. And and both genders do this. I do love gender dynamics and, and uh, eye contact does apply to both. And it can be used in, you know, a host of different situations, you know, from work to being submissive, to being superior, to romantic. And so how, what we do with these these eyes and eyebrows and our scleras are very fascinating. And then I think another thing is, is how we control our hands. You know, we don't, a lot of times we don't think about what do I do with my hands? You know, do I clasp them? Do I put them behind my back? Are they down at the side? Are my fists clenched because I'm stressed? Um, so watch what we do with our hands. And, you know, back in the day when we shook hands, that was a big, you know, tell in the sense of like confidence or even, you know, perceived confidence. But the first time we put our hands on, on a stranger and, um, you know, if you remember back in the day, it's how you got the tractor loan by, you know, that good handshake. Right. So, you know, so I think things like that are pretty common that people would know about along with, you know, you hear people like you mentioned crossing their arms. Am I showing defensiveness or am I just comfortable like this or am I cold? So it's, you know, it's being intentional with what you do with all parts of your body from your hair all the way down to your shoes. Right. And as you mentioned, now with COVID, we have those masks on. And so you're right. There, there's even more of a draw to our, what our eyes are saying. And as you mentioned, the eyebrows and of course the hands. Now, as we are re-entering the workplace for many, what can help set us apart from other candidates in our body language when interviewing for a new job or perhaps some do's and don'ts? I think one of the big do's is remember that, you know, cameras are everywhere. And so even before you enter the lobby, if it is in person, you know, what are you doing in the parking lot? What are you, you know, are you adjusting, you know, your clothing? What kind, what, what is your, what is your clothing of choice? Um, that's very important all the way down to your shoes and, you know, lie along how you smell. Um, how do you treat the ad- administrative person that you're going to be greeted by? You know, a lot of times we're fairly dismissive of that person getting ready to, you know, I want to talk to the person who's doing the interview where that is the interview right (laughs) is uh, before you even went through the back door that is the interview of how kind you were and how polite you were so i think that's important and of course um what you choose to put on your body you know how much skin do you want to show um because we are visual so we do and skin is a living organ uh, the largest one on the body and so what do you want to highlight you know or how much makeup are you wearing or what color is your hair and you know we, we make judgments all the time and, and we have bias and we have prejudices and, and we work hard to overcome these, but sometimes we notice something and we are, are, you know, we draw a quick conclusion that if we're going to fight a stereotype or if it's going to fit into our construct of like, Oh, I like that. Or, Oh, he's like me kind of thing. So um, I think you have to understand as you go into the workplace that you want to be in, you need to investigate the workplace. You know, are they conservative? You know, and you dress very casually. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of times I say, look at the building. You know, it'll tell you a lot about what you should look like. 
and uh, you know the language that you use that even though it's that's a verbal part all of the ums and the tone of voice is a big part you know of how loud you are or soft or a lisp that you might have or how you pronounce words you know those are all considered part of communication so being intentional with what you have control over goes a long way you're a little too much perfume or you know overbearing if you will great points now I'm sure all of that still applies for those who are already employed and working there. But what are some ways to win in the workplace when we already have the job? Well, you know, you a lot of times if you look to your leadership about their nonverbals or even the language that they use, what their office or cubicle may look like, um, how they groom themselves, what their nonverbals are, you know, are they... Are they, what's their distance? You know, the study of proxemics, are they kind of in your space or a little bit out? You know, are they still bumping elbows, you know, in the pandemic uh, with an eagerness to get close to you? Um, so it's, it's things like that. Of course, it always matters. You know, that's why you hopefully don't, you know, run into the, your workplace on the weekend when nobody's there and, you know, and you're wearing your pajamas <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, there were cameras. Somebody saw me kind of thing. So, and I think during the pandemic, and as you mentioned with the masks and working from home, we've become very comfortable being comfortable. But, you know, I've done a lot of seminars on, nonverbal communication and how do I handle working from home? And haven't we learned a lot about being in people's kitchens? So true. So true. Living rooms (laughs) or their pets, um, their choice of decorator styles, you know, that, that we then go, Oh my gosh, they have a gorgeous home or, Oh my gosh, look at that counter. It's completely cluttered. So it, you know, the nonverbals don't stop just because it was, you know, online or, you know, this is what my desk at, at my workplace looks like. Very, very true. Now, you mentioned those leadership styles. How can we use our body language within our leadership styles? I think that naturally comes out. You know, leaders tend to have a presence the way they carry themselves. You know, like your, you know, your female role model said in childhood, you know, stand straight, shoulders back. There's a lot to that. We know the studies, whether we like it or not, you know, reward height and they reward confidence uh, through promotions, through money. And so by standing straight is, is shows that I, I'm here, I'm present, you know, and making eye contact and, and displaying your hands. You know, we like to see open hands. Um, you know, if you remember like the first thing, like when somebody, you want to see what their hands are, are they, you know, rammed in their pockets or they, are they hidden away safely or are they, mirroring what the spoken word is saying you know for example if i'm standing up you know if i want you to stand up are my hand gestures also rising you know that's you can have a whole conversation with somebody by just using signs you know or sign language from your hands and uh by controlling your message and the rule of thumb is you know we tend to we will watch and believe the body more so than we will the verbal word so if the two don't match we would default it to, "Mm, your body's telling me something different. Of course. Now, how does that body language impact our influence? And how can we go about perhaps increasing that influence to those around us? I think the best word to say for that is being intentional. And, you know, the way I sit, cross my legs, my gait, you know, my my fast walker, uh, you know, or because we like that feeling of health, you know, do I drag along, if you will. And so if you want to be influential, you have to be willing to make eye contact. And, and a smile is probably the 
uh, most universal nonverbal. You know, we have cultural-based nonverbals in the sense of like what means something in our country may not mean something in another country. However, a smile is extremely universal. So that takes us to, do I show my teeth? You know, um, what's the condition of my mouth? And that takes us to, what do I, what's my breath smell like? Are my teeth straight or are they colored? Um, we know our teeth missing and, you know, we're extremely trying to figure things out and we all know dental works outrageous. So if people that have beautiful teeth have probably spent a lot of money on them. So we are going, Oh wow. They invested in their mouth. So they're investing in themselves. And so you may not be able to afford that, but you know, crest white strips <laughs> can go a long way if you can't afford to have your teeth straightened. And I think a lot of people are very self-conscious if they're not comfortable with what their smile looks like. You know, I've even often seen the hand will go across the mouth to cover it. Well, you know, and it may look like it's embarrassing, but I quickly figure out that somebody's uncomfortable with their smile. And, um, you know, that might be something that you want to focus on if that's an area of concern for you. Of course. Now, you mentioned what could be some social situations and that just make for an awkward moment. But how about on let's transition to a little bit more personal of like on dates, any pointers for navigating those awkward social situations? Oh, one of my favorite subjects, right? <laughs> <laughs> Out of the workplace as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you get to some gender dynamics or even, you know, same gender dynamics in the dating world, you know, we really tell each other what we think of each other with our bodies. And, you know, the pelvis or the hip structure, the cradle of life, if you will, you know, if we're interested in something, we will shift in, you know, we'll lean on the other leg. If if people are sitting on a couch together and somebody's interested, they will actually cross their legs over pointing towards the person, you know, like, look at my legs kind of thing. And versus if they're not, they'll actually, if, if, like, for example, if a female is sitting on a sofa and she's flanked by two males, um, you can figure out which one has captivated her interest by the direction of her legs. And, and she may be pointed to one and then suddenly the other one says something that she finds, you know, amusing or interesting. And she'll actually sh subtly shift her body and legs and turn the other way. The other thing that we might notice is there'll be some hair play, you know, uh, curling around the hair, you know, playing with the ends of the hair. And, you know, our hair is like in, in animal world. It's our mane, if you will, like notice me, you know, I have beautiful hair kind of thing. And, right. and men are the same way. No, nobody's getting off the hook here. You know, they you'll see um, a wider stance uh, of, of the or, or, you know, to show, you know, health and, you know, fertility of like, I'm very healthy. Look how strong and big I can be. But, you know, so. Um, in the dating world, there's a lot of that going on and, and you don't have to say a word, you know, at the same token, if we see something that's awkward or uncomfortable, you'll see people separate from each other, back up a little bit more, put something in between them, like a table or a chair, your handbag or backpack, you know, even you'll put your hands in front of your body. If somebody is not, you know, to your liking to say like, Hey, there's a physical barrier between us. Interesting. Now, between I caught up on two different things there in, in the work as well as in that personal like dating. And that was just it seems to be that confidence that you bring to the table. How can we not only convey confidence? You mentioned standing up straight, shoulders back, so forth. And of course, the different work that might might need to be done. But truly, how can we feel and be more confident just walking in to a room or just being in a room simply by our body language? 
Well, the, the rule is that I'm smiling before I walk into the room. I'm smiling before I actually answer the phone because there's nothing like a smiling person to diffuse any situation. You don't pose threat. You look, you look engaged. You feel good and you're, you know, about yourself and you're smiling. And how, where do you walk? You know, like you're saying, shoulders back, but how fast am I walking? Do I stop and scan the room? You know, do I immediately become a wallflower by hitting the wall and kind of, you know, hitting the perimeter of don't notice me? Do I walk over to a group? You know, I may or may not know and, and introduce myself, you know, or back in the day with handshakes, put the, put that out or put the elbow out. Um, so, so there are definitely ways to convey confidence. You know, one of the things, uh, if you're sitting at a table and people are coming in, there's a, a nonverbal gesture called steepling and, and it's literally taking your hands and putting them together almost in a prayer pose, but separate the fingers like a steeple. Now, you know, don't do the thing where, you know, you open the door and there's all people, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but steepling is a, is a confident men tend to steeple higher, you know, physically higher at the table than women do, but by doing a steepling nonverbal, it's telling others, "Hey, I'm 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 feeling pretty good here. I I know I belong at the table, if if you will." So we tend to see that for confidence while sitting, and like I said, while standing, you will see the hands. You know, you might you don't want to twist the feet. You want them to be planted on the ground, like planted mind, planted thoughts. You know, planted feet kind of thing. Okay, so. How are you handling your body? Not curling into yourself. But at the same time, you know, your stance is not so wide as a female that you're like, ah, okay, probably not the place to be looking like Wonder Woman, you know, with a right. cape flying behind you. So it's it's understanding how your body works for you. Whatever, you know, height you are or size you are um, and, and who you're engaging with. You know, if you're tall, like I'm very tall, I don't always need to appear taller to captivate the room. You know, I tend to wear heels, so it's going to naturally happen, but I don't have to, quote, make myself bigger. You know, I don't have to hands-on hips, you know, looking very large or standing a little bit wider because I am. So that might be something that a smaller stature person might want to do. Or if I want to give away the, you know, the perceived power to somebody else, you know, I hope in hands and I, I often, you know, give it to them by, and, you know, lean in a little bit more and make sure that they're being heard. And then I don't have to be the center of attention. That makes sense. Now, in your book, The Body Language of Politics, you talk about tips on deciding who's lying. So kind of a different look that we're going for in what we're conveying and trying to understand other people. How can we fine tune our gut instincts to confirm the truth or deception of what others are saying in, in our overall day to day lives? <laughs> so I always get asked this one. This is a great one, you know, and lying is something that we learn in childhood. It, you know, it's actually a survival skill and we want, <laughs> we, we need to have it. Now, no one wants a sociopathic, you know, chronic, you know, pathological liar, but <clears throat> little white lies, you know, go a long way when needed, you know, of how does that look on you? Looks great. How's my hair look? All right. Yeah. Really flattering <laughs> with your face. You may not agree, but, you know, that's a little bit different than true deception. And and we like to, you know, the old school thinking was, you know, if you're looking right, you're lying. Or if you're looking left, you're telling the truth. To be honest with you, a good liar will look right at you and lie to the to the hill. And so you can't always, you know, judge it on the eye or what but, but the things you can notice that would be a little uh, more subtle would be like blink rates. We all have a 
comfortable blink rate. And, you know, people study like how many blinks per minute. And when there's a cognitive load on the brain, when you're, when there's going to be deception, there's a lot to think about for the liar. And so the blinking might become more of a stare or the blinking might increase as, as the liar, if you will, is trying to figure out how to manipulate the situation. We also might hear a bit of a cough, like, <clears throat> you know, clearing of the throat that was no longer, you know, wasn't there when they started. And I always say, yeah, you're trying to, you know, hold that lie down, if you will. We also might see that the hands, uh, where, where do the hands go? You know, are they covering the mouth? Are they covering the eye? Are they, are they playing with the ear in the sense of, I don't want to say it, I don't want to hear it. Um, these chemicals called catecholamines are these irritants that our body puts out and um, they're, they can irritate the nose when there's times of deception and that's why the hands may go to the nose and, and that's actually called the Pinocchio effect. So, you know, poor Pinocchio gets the, the, the label of being lied every time he lied, his nose grew, his nose grew. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways. It's not going to be the way that you always think it is. You know, if there's a head and see, I always say like, don't be talking to your plus one. And then, you know, he or she coughs and you're like, liar. (laughs) (laughs) You want to look for things in clusters of three, you know, just because there might be one, you know, of like, okay, their blink rate changed. You want to then notice is there, is there some skin blanching, you know, or a flushing of the skin, are the hands now doing something else? You know, are there, is there something coming to the lip? Like, um, you know, that was no longer there because we usually don't touch our faces unless there's a, an emotional or behavioral change, you know, that takes us to that. And so you want to begin to look for these changes in somebody that you think might be, you know, might be deceptive. I think that is fascinating. I also love hearing that it comes in threes because I'm thinking, oh man, for those of us with allergies, we are doomed at how many times we might touch our nose. <laughs> so exactly. look for them in exactly. three. <laughs> right. And you know, you know, when it comes to something like that, because we do look for a, a beautiful white sclera or, you know, the white of the eye and, and there are a lot of allergies and, and it, you have to tell your person that you're communicating with if you have a non-white sclera bloodshot, because we'll default it to bad things like hungover, tired, yeah. drugs, and you might say allergies. So, you know, and you give that little squeeze of the pretend bottle, like eye drops, that great little nonverbal saying, you know, like my eyes are itching, so I need the little eye drops. Mm-hmm. Um, so by telling that, that really helps people. It's kind of like how our eyebrows and our sclera, because we associate a white sclera with being healthy, you know, and so if we see a yellow one, which really could be a diseased eye or a diseased body, we're like, why isn't it really white? You know, so be, being aware of that stuff and, and for you telling, you know, your person, oh, my eyes are killing me with allergy season will will grant you a lot of grace. Right. That com- that verbal communication along with the nonverbal. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, any other pointers to help us gain a greater understanding of what's really going on when we communicate with others? Well, you know, remember that everybody has baselines. You know, like you mentioned when we first started talking, you may cross your arms and you just may be very comfortable with that as a resting. But take a little bit of time and watch somebody's, you know, baseline nonverbals, you know, how they're sitting, how their legs are, um, what are, what's on their body. And it could be even, you know, from uh, the jewelry they're wearing to the, you know, the smells around them to makeup choices or hair choices and, and watch that over time as what's their baseline. And then if you see something deviating from that, that's when you begin to go, Oh, something else is going on here. That's not necessarily being verbalized. 
Right. Because, you know, we, we want to, now that's not to say that the spoken word isn't important. It, it is. But if you look at, you know, the research in Moravian on the, on the 738.55 rule, you know, 7% being verbal, 38% being a tone of voice, and then 55% being our bodies, you know, verbal, it doesn't have, it has merit, don't get me wrong, but it's not our primary way that we have to communicate. So, you know, the, the, the use of a, mm-hmm, <laughs> Is very telling when how are things of, oh, they're fine, you know, just that pitch change. And so I always suggest that people, it, it's hard, like, where do I start? Where do I start? And pick up a couple of, of your tone of voice of how fast do you talk or what's your latency or the space time between your talking and somebody else's talking? You know, do you run over each other? Or do, is there a lot of space in there, that latency time? And you want to match whoever you're speaking with. It's very polite and considerate when you figure out how loud somebody is and or how quickly they respond and then how quickly you respond things like that when you think about the nine elements of tone of voice some are in your control you know and some are not in your control you know so and you know we've we've all done this whether we like it or not you're you know you're arguing with somebody or you're plus one and then your voice gets elevated like everything is just fine (sighs) you know yeah (laughs) you know where i'm going with this yes a pitch that sounds like things are far from fine <laughs> but that, that's what i would say of, uh, and you know you do take that into the workplace when somebody upsets you or something upsets you and uh you know it all rolls into each other so i think a lot of self-awareness you know of, of like oh i tend to do that or yeah yeah i've been told i do that and consider being intentional and, and working on that That's great. Now, Dr. Donna, we have a signature question here I'd love to hear your feedback on. And that is, if you could go back and encourage, inspire, or equip yourself as a child, what would you tell your young self? (laughs) Well, it's so funny when I was uh, younger, and and this is probably like, what am I going to do when I grow up kind of thing? And and I love what I do. I think I was a natural born teacher, you know, 30 years ago, I taught what we call junior high or middle school. But I remember my father talking to me about becoming a pilot or becoming an attorney. And, and, you know, I was so dismissive of those things, though, though he could see it in me. And so to be continue to be open to those things, of course, I didn't have a problem really talking or asking questions. Um, According to my family, uh, my first uh, word was why. I still do ask a thousand questions. And so I think that, you know, for my young self, I think I probably would have pursued those avenues more than I than I did. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. This is ready to go to school. <laughs> now you have a third book, Body Language for Women, that just came out. How can our listeners go about getting that book? I want to make sure that we make that accessible for them. Oh, thank you. And, you know, it's actually my favorite of the three in the sense of it really goes back and it talks about relationships, romantic relationships. There's a lot of self-esteem that's in there of where do, where do these female behaviors come from? You know, where do they start? There's some really rich data in that. And it brings in uh, women of different ethnicities and time and place of, you know, what was the 50s versus now? Uh, I, I just really enjoyed that book so much. Um, so thank you for mentioning it. And it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and, um, you know, Simon, Simon & Schuster is the distributor. So it's, you know, everywhere, fortunately. And then, you know, you can go through my website, bodylanguagedoctor.com, dr.com, and, but it's going to drive you right to, you know, who doesn't use the Amazon or Barnes and Noble kind of thing. And so it's a light blue cover. You might see one of the yellow cover, the publisher started in yellow and then they switched to light blue, but 
type in body language for women with my uh, name and it'll pop up. And I, I would appreciate that. And a kind uh, review would be appreciated as we push each other along to promote all the work of helping each other. Absolutely. Now, how can our listeners connect with you? Now, going through my website, bodylanguagedoctor.com, contact me link on there and I would love to hear from you okay. um, because like as you mentioned when we get started here I do go into businesses I do keynote you know uh, I could be your lunchtime speaker at your event or a dinner or a closer or an opener um, I think the subject of body language is people understand it and they get excited about it teach me something read me do something and and I'd love to do that so perfect we'll make sure to put that in the show notes also well Dr. Donna thank you so much for your time and your expertise this has been so enlightening and just what to look for as well as what we can work on in ourselves as well. So thank you again. We appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. And I look forward to getting here some great feedback. Thank you for joining me on this journey of life. I hope that today's highlight has been encouraging, inspiring, and equipping so you can go out and live your life full of purpose. I'd be honored if you'd take a moment to leave a review or better yet, subscribe. We can also stay in touch by joining my email list at hollykirby.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-C-U-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, make it a great day for a great day.